Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on Sleep Number Special Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to Unfiltered. Here's tonight's headline. Severe punishment. A very talkative President Trump for the second time in less than 24 hours used the word severe to describe what the U.S. response to Saudi Arabia's alleged involvement in the disappearance of Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi would be during a press conference at the White House where he welcomed U.S. Pastor Andrew Brunson. Brunson was just freed from detention in Turkey, where Khashoggi just went missing on October 2nd inside the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. There are other things we can do that are very, very powerful, very strong, and we'll do that. There are other things we can do that will be very severe. In a freewheeling press conference in which the pastor prayed for the president and the president went around the room asking various people to speak, Trump said he has not yet spoken to King Salman of Saudi Arabia or Turkish President Erdogan. Just yesterday, in an interview with 60 Minutes' Leslie Stahl, the president was a little more pointed about Saudi Arabia's potential involvement in the disappearance. There's a lot at stake, and maybe especially so because this man was a reporter. There's something, you'll be surprised to hear me say that, there's something really terrible and disgusting about that if that were the case. So we're going to have to see. We're going to get to the bottom of it, and there will be severe punishment. It's a welcome shift in tone from an administration that's offered a tepid, at best, response to Khashoggi's disappearance. However, it remains to be seen whether or not it's just lip service after the White House came under pressure from foreign allies and members of Congress to take a tougher posture with the Saudis. So what does severe punishment entail? Well, we know what it doesn't. Scrapping our multi-billion dollar arms deals with Saudi Arabia. Just hours ago, Trump again told reporters why. When we take away $110 billion of purchases from our country, that hurts our workers, that hurts our factories, that hurts all of our companies. You know, you're talking about 500,000 jobs. So we do that, we're really hurting our country a lot more than we're hurting Saudi Arabia. Here's the deal. We cannot be naive about the stakes here. Saudi Arabia is an important strategic partner on a number of fronts, both political and economical. We can't just blow up that relationship. But we can't use that relationship as an excuse for inaction either. 
Jamal Khashoggi may not have been a U.S. citizen, but he sought refuge in this country. His children live here. For that reason alone, we have a moral obligation to bring those responsible to account. But even if he had no ties to the United States, what then? The world looks to us to be a beacon of democracy, to set the tone. So, Mr. President, this is your moment. Who will we be? A nation that stands on principles like free speech and basic human rights? Or a nation that looks for the exits when it might ruffle feathers? Yes, it's a difficult situation, but principles only matter when they're hard. All right, for more on the latest in this ever-evolving story, let me bring in CNN national security analyst Sam Vinograd. Um, so, Sam, the Turkish government has reportedly told U.S. officials that they have evidence that proves that Khashoggi was murdered. Today, President Trump and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said they have not seen it or heard it. Do you think that they will? Well, Essie, why on earth have they not seen any of this evidence to date? In situations like this, the first thing that the U.S. government and the national security apparatus should be doing is reaching out to intelligence and law enforcement partners around the world, including Turkey, including other countries that had good intelligence assets on the ground in Istanbul or in Saudi Arabia, and asking, what do you, what do you know? And if that mm -hmm. intelligence is not making its way to the president's book, to the president's daily briefing, then we have a much bigger problem. How long do you think Saudi Arabia can credibly continue to deny any involvement without producing proof that Khashoggi walked out of that building alive, as they are today still insisting? Well, we have a temporal reality here. Every day that goes by, Jamal Khashoggi is not uh, coming forward. He's not appearing. There is no proof right. of life. So the whole notion that he walked out and is roaming somewhere around Istanbul or somewhere in Riyadh just logically becomes less plausible. And as I just mentioned, we have the intelligence reality. Every day that goes by, mm -hmm. I hope the U.S. government is working with its intelligence and law enforcement partners mm -hmm. to get more clues, to listen perhaps to more chatter that Saudi officials are having mm -hmm. through intelligence methods. So more information is hopefully coming to light as time goes on. And every second that goes by, and I, I, I feel so, so much for uh, Jamal's family and friends, they don't have answers because he's just not there. And the Saudi conclusion or the Saudi um, reasoning behind what happened be happens becomes less plausible. Sam, thanks so much for joining me tonight. Really appreciate it. Thanks. For more on this, I'd like to bring in Republican Congressman from Illinois, Adam Kinzinger. He sits on the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Uh, Congressman, you heard the president today. As I said earlier, he was very talkative. Uh, have you been satisfied with the way that the White House and in particular, President Trump has responded to the disappearance of Khashoggi so far. Well, you know, in, in some of the way the president speaks sometimes, I, I wouldn't say exactly like he does. But I think the president has to look. You have some people that are like leaping to this conclusion of we need to just basically excommunicate Saudi Arabia from the entire world. Um, we need to be cautious about this. This is an egregious thing that happened. Um, and it looks like all the evidence is pointing to, in fact, that he was tortured and dismembered to death. And that's an awful, awful thing. But we also have to understand that in the world of international relations, 
caution, but firmness is important. Mm -hmm. And I think the president today saying things like, you know, this will be severe. I think we yeah. have to take him at his word. There's a lot of people that kind of jump to the conclusion of blaming President Trump somehow for what's going on. Look, this was the Saudis in Turkey. So we are an, right. uh, a side partner to what's going on. And so we'll figure out what the appropriate response is at the right time. Sure, but you know that the president first said, look, this guy's not even a citizen, uh, sort of trying to right, imply, yeah. imply he's not, this isn't our problem. Um, I, I take issue with that a little bit. But also, what do you make of the fact that Trump says he hasn't even spoken with King Mohammed of Saudi Arabia yet? Well, I mean, if it's true, he should. Uh, but we're also, you know, I understand trying to get all this information together. And I trust my, I know Mike Pompeo well. And if yeah. he said he and the president haven't seen it yet, it's not necessarily because they don't want to see it. It's maybe the Turks haven't released this evidence yet. They've said, here's what we have. Maybe here's a transcript. Uh, but it's not like they can just email the stuff over to their Gmail account and show them what they have. There's a process here. So, you know, I think we have to understand, for whatever reason, uh, sometimes in partisan lines, sometimes in people's foreign policy views, lines. In the United States, it seems like folks are falling kind of along sympathy towards Shia or sympathy towards Sunni now, uh, which is unfortunate. We need to just basically look and say, what is the right way for us to respond to uphold human rights, but understand the greatest human rights violations that are yeah. occurring in the Middle East right now is not from Saudi Arabia. It's by barrel bombing in, in Syria and the destruction of 50,000 children and 500,000 Syrians, supported by the Russians, Iranians, and of course, Assad. Yeah, and look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to a Democrat colleague of yours in the next block to, to push him on, on the idea that we should just sort of throw this relationship away and risk some of the security in the region that you just mentioned. But a few of your colleagues in the Senate, um, or not your colleagues, but a few, uh, a few senators um, sent a letter to Secretary of State Mike Pompeo this week raising concerns about the high number of civilian casualties in the in the Yemen Saudi Arabia um, skirmish on the other hand Rand Paul is suggesting cutting off military aid to Saudi Arabia which of these kind of responses do you think is is getting it right if, if, if any of them well I, I think questioning the, the way the war in Yemen's being waged is always a good thing to do. We want the least civilian casualties as possible. But let me, yeah. let me just address Rand Paul for a moment. I mean, he wanted us out of basically all world affairs uh, from the beginning since he ever came to the Senate. It's a legitimate point of view. I'm not going to I mean, he's got a legitimate kind of libertarian point of view on that. But Sometimes. to pretend like this is the impetus that now changed his mind on Saudi Arabia, when at the same time, he keeps telling th people like the administration that we should have a better relationship with Russia, who, by the way, poisoned people in NATO territory in the United Kingdom using yeah. weapons of mass destruction as well as basically hid the fact that there were still chemical weapons in Syria. It's, it's really, uh, you know, we can look at this and say there's atrocities all over the place, but to somehow put a moral equivalency and yet turn your back on what's going on in Syria and say the Russians are great, uh, it just can't happen. So yesterday, Turkish... Um Turkey released Pastor Brunson and, and Trump insists without any kind of deal. Uh, Turkish President Erdogan tried to broker a ceasefire in Syria and he's promised to investigate Khashoggi's disappearance. Do you think we're seeing a softening of, of Erdogan or is this sort of a PR front? 
I actually do think there there's a, a softening going on. And hmm. think about er- Erdogan's actually pretty interesting because, you know, he shoots down Russian MiGs, and then he's got a cr- close relationship with Russia. Now he's trying to, I think, repair the relationship with the United States. Turkey yeah. will always take the side of who has momentum. And right now, under this president, you know, whether you agree hmm. or disagree, I'm going to tell you, the momentum in the Middle East is back with the United States of America. And you look at the sanctions the president put on Turkey, which, you know, a year ago was unthinkable. They're a NATO ally. I think Turkey is desperate for some relief. I'm glad they let this pastor that never should have been uh, detained go. And hopefully this is a new era in our relationship. I've been to Turkey as a military Mm -hmm. pilot. It's a very important location. And hopefully some of the other prisoners that are still being held there are uh, coming out soon as well. Uh, Saudi Arabia is hosting the Future Investment Initiative later this month. It's an important economic summit. Secretary of the Treasury Steve Mnuchin has already stated that he still plans on attending the summit as others have pulled out. What do you think? Should he withdraw or should he should he go? Well, if I was him, I wouldn't go. I think it sends a, I think it sends a strong message. Yeah, Saudi Arabia, like it or not, is going to continue to be an economic powerhouse. Uh, but mm-hmm. I think this can be part of a broader response to what happened. I wouldn't be surprised to see this be part of a broader response to what happened. I think it's a it's a moment where we can say, look, we are we're gonna we're gonna make it clear that murdering and dismembering journalists uh, Mm. is not something we stand for. And while we may not cut off relations with you totally, there is going to be a cost. And this is a little piece of probably a broader package of, of hurt for Saudi Arabia. Congressman Adam Kinzinger, thank you so much. You bet. See ya. Next, I'll turn to a Democrat on the House Intelligence Committee and later why both parties have started focusing on anger as we hit the midterm home stretch. Speculation still swirls around the disappearance of Jamal Khashoggi, but the ultimate fate of the Saudi journalist still remains unknown. What we do know is that the consequences of his disappearance have the potential to shake America's relationship with one of its most important allies to its very core. Joining me now to discuss this further is Democratic Congressman from Connecticut, Jim Himes, who sits on the House Intelligence Committee. Uh, Congressman, the president today said there are many possibilities for what the U.S. could do in retaliation for potential Saudi involvement in this disappearance. What uh, what more do you want to hear from the president? Well, Essie, let me do something I'm not in the uh, habit of doing, which is actually praise the president for his change in tone with respect to Saudi Arabia's possible involvement in this what appears to be a pretty brutal murder. Uh, I was really concerned when he was sort of hemming and hawing and saying, but, you know, we sell a lot of weapons. You know, um, Mm. I I was listening to Adam Kinziger, my colleague, um, you know, and I agree with most of what he said, uh, but we do need to be really clear here. Um, I would have used different words than the president used. This is not us really punishing somebody. We're not an international court. We're not some kind of global parent. What we are, or at least should aspire to be, is to be out front and leading on basic values and ethics, Mm -hmm. like you don't kill journalists anywhere, much less in a foreign country. So I would hope that we would sort of frame this as we are standing up against a behavior that we saw Putin engineer in London uh, with the attempted murder of a, of, a, of a dissident there and what we may have been seeing in Istanbul. So we are going to yeah. need to get to the bottom of this. I suspect our intelligence community has a pretty good sense for what really happened. Mm. Um, and then the sanctions should be severe. So uh, Trump has taken a lot of flack 
for talking about jobs when it comes to this uh, disappearance. And it is somewhat grotesque to sort of nakedly calculate the cost of a human life. Uh, he's not the first president to do it. He's the first to really do it openly. Um, but, you know, we also have to sort of be grown-ups uh, about this and recognize that, um, you know, your and my state of Connecticut, for example, directly benefits from these arms deals. Um, you know, Connecticut uh, took in, Connecticut companies received $23 billion in defense contracts. That's just last year. Between 2000 and 2017, the state got over $182 billion in defense contracts. I don't think you're willing to tell your constituents that those jobs shouldn't matter. So is it what Trump said or how he said it? Well, see, I get concerned when people go down that path. In other words, when they start putting um, our values, basic values of decency, like you don't kill journalists on one side of the scale and jobs or money or profits on the other side of the scale. Look, yeah. who are we? Uh, you, you mentioned Connecticut. You know, Connecticut lost an awful lot of people to become the United States. Farmers left their farms. Merchants left their stores to die to establish the country. And, of course, Connecticut, like every other community in the United States, has all Always made huge sacrifices in favor of this idea that there should be liberty and freedom, which, if yeah. the Saudis did this, they have fundamentally violated. So the idea that we should sort of weigh commercial or profitability, you know, gain or profitability against being a leader for the values that really matter to us is just, mm -hmm. I think, a very bad path to go down. So there's been what seems like a contagion in brazen human rights violations over the past few years, some of which happened while Obama was in the White House, some of which uh, Trump, from the death of Otto Warmbier in North Korea to the kidnapping of a former Interpol chief in China. Um, do you feel as though bad actors have been emboldened in recent years? And does America need to assert herself more muscularly on these abuses? Um, we do. We do. And having complimented the president at the start of this segment, I'll say, yeah. you know, he's really raised the ante in this statement of severe punishment, because mm -hmm. if he says that to the world and he doesn't follow that up, of course, right. with, you know, a very significant set of measures, uh, whatever those might look like. It doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be removal of ambassadors. There can, there's a lot we can do there. If he yeah. doesn't follow that up, uh, the message that is sent to the many dictators around the world, which sadly I think has been sent quietly by this administration over a two-year period of the president being very, uh, very uh, touchy-feely with Vladimir Putin, with the president of Philippines, who is a self-admitted murderer. Um, Duterte, you know, this yeah. is an opportunity for the president to say, hey, this may cause us a little bit of profitability in the short run, hmm. uh, but we are a country that will stand up loud and clear against this kind of behavior. So I'm look, I'm glad he said it, but he did raise the ante, and, and uh, if We're American power and American yeah. values are to mean anything, he better he better follow up. Yeah. Uh, before I let you go, I want to ask you about the op-ed you wrote for CNN.com. You challenged an assertion made by the president in his USA Today op-ed this week, declaring that quote the centrist Democratic Party is dead. Uh, how is he wrong? 
Well, you know, the president politically is sort of trying, as he did in that op-ed, to uh, uh, to paint the Democratic Party exactly as he painted it, as, you know, some sort of extreme group of people who want open border socialism. I don't actually even know what that means, and I'm a, and I'm a Democrat. That's, that's just an outright lie. I think most people recognize it as such. Uh, we do have political disagreements, you know. We don't believe families should be separated on the border. We do believe we should be investing in our schools and in our health care system rather than making them worse and taking them away. So we have legitimate disagreements. But to your question about centrists, you know, I chair the New Democrat Coalition. We're sort of known as the centrists in the Congress. There's uh, almost 70 of us, and we're pretty sure that on the other side of the election, there will be a lot more. And so, yeah, we're going to have a, 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 an argument, uh, hopefully a civil argument within our party between people who are maybe further out there on the left and people who are not that far on the left. And that's great. The Republicans do it, too. But mm -hmm. to say that the, you know, to say that the centrist instinct, the pragmatic instinct is, is dead is just is just flat out wrong. Uh, we will see come November. Congressman Himes, thanks so much. Okay, coming up, Republicans paint Democrats as the angry mob ahead of the midterms, but will the message resonate with voters? And later, Trump wants to be everywhere. Is that a good idea? First Lady Melania Trump says she was blindsided by her husband's zero-tolerance immigration policy that led to family separations and thousands of children in detention. I, I didn't know that that policy will come out. I was blindsided by it. I told him at home and I said to him that um, I feel that's unacceptable and he, he felt the same. But in that same ABC, ABC News interview, which aired last night, the First Lady also said this. I believe in the policies that my husband put together because I believe that we need to be very vigilant who is coming to the country. Well, at least 1,500 unaccompanied immigrant children are still being held in a detention shelter in Texas. Trump just a few hours ago said the separation policy is a deterrent at our southern border. But illegal crossings skyrocketed in August, and Homeland Security says family crossings are rising. Also up in recent weeks, Melania's favorability rating, now at 54%. Her message to those families who are still separated, keep strong. We'll be back in two minutes. In the red file tonight, with just 23 days before the midterm elections, most projections have Democrats winning back control of the House and Republicans maintaining a majority in the Senate. Senior analyst for CNN Politics Harry Enten estimates, estimates that Democrats will gain a 23-seat majority in the House, while Republicans will expand their majority in the Senate to four seats. However, those estimates are still well within the margin of error. President Trump will hold another rally in just about half an hour in Richmond, Kentucky. Last night, he was in Ohio. During the rally, the president hit on what has become a common theme amongst Republicans in recent days. From the moment Brett Kavanaugh was announced, an angry Democrat mob was on a mission to resist, obstruct, delay, demolish, and destroy him. And before they even know, I'll tell you, you saw it, before they knew his name, they were saying horrible things. These are bad people. We can't let this happen to our country. Republicans believe in the rule of law, not the rule of the mob. That's what it is. It's a mob. 
Republicans have seized on the vivid pictures of protesters storming the steps of the Supreme Court, shouting at Republican lawmakers in elevators and ambushing them as they eat dinner, and cast them as evidence that Democrats have become too extreme and mob-like to govern. Over the past week, prominent Democrats, including Hillary Clinton, have responded by rebuffing calls for civility, choosing instead to double down on the passions of their base. You cannot be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for, what you care about. That's why I believe if we are fortunate enough to win back the House and or the Senate, that's when civility can start again. So is this the strategy moving ahead to midterms from both parties? Anger above all else? For more on this, let me bring in CNN political commentators, Republican strategist Doug High and Democratic strategist Maria Cardona. Maria, so you've got Hillary Clinton, Eric mm -hmm. Holder on the one side mm -hmm. saying, kick them, it's no time for civility. Yeah. And Michelle Obama on the other saying, no, mm -hmm. no, no, fear is not going to win. Yeah. Who will be, be right in November? I think the voters will be right in November. No, what, no, 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 not the violence piece, not the we can't be civil, because if we say that, then yeah. we are essentially stooping to the level of the opposition party that we believe is so horrible. Okay. But we do need to channel all of that anger into actual mobilization. And that's where I think Michelle Obama has a point. Fear is not a way to essentially get to where we need to be, or at least it shouldn't be. It's right? a terrific Tr motivator. Well, you know that. And it, yes, yeah. and it worked for Trump. Yeah. But a better motivator is to channel that fear and that anger mm. into actual action that will get to where voters want to be. This is why Democrats are doing so well in House races, uh, because they are actually talking to the issues that their voters care yeah. about. They're not running on impeachment. They're not running on the, the Russia investigation. They're running on issues like health care. Mm -hmm. And yes, they are stating the fact which is the fact is that Republicans have done everything that they can to repeal the Affordable Care Act and get rid of pre-existing pre conditions. That's what Democrats are running on, and that's hopefully what they will win on. Well, Doug, a week ago I asked you yep. if Democrats really got it. Um, you know, do they really know how big a boost Kavanaugh was for, for turnout, potentially? And in the past week, we've heard calls to impeach Brett Kavanaugh if the Democrats take control of the House. Do you think Democrats understand the potential sort of silent undercurrent of a Republican wave that might be coming their way? Well, I don't know if it'll be a wave, but certainly it's been a big boost for, for Republicans in the short term. I think that the challenge yeah. for Republicans yeah. is, is gosh, maintaining it. not only are we not really talking about Brett Kavanaugh right now, we've yeah. stopped talking about Nikki Haley at about 2 o'clock on Monday. That's right. These news cycles happen <laughs> yeah. so fast, in part yeah. because the president and yeah. the president being out there. Yeah. Um, that this may not still be that motivator. And what we right. also don't know, and I don't think we will until after the elections, is how much of this is Republican base coming home, the Democratic mm, base coming home, right. yeah. which we've seen in every election cycle over the past 10 years. So right. in these abnormal times, are we actually seeing the natural right. order of things? But there, we, what's interesting is that I saw a poll just this week, a, a morning consult poll, that actually said that this wasn't the motivator that Republicans thought it was going to be because the, the motivation for them yeah. actually was stayed the same. But Marie, my and point that, all along has been for Democrats, a silent majority for a reason. Yes. Polling doesn't pick it up. That is, that is correct. Yeah. And this is why we'll I, have, have, to wait I have never, and, and I don't think Democrats should ever talk about a blue wave. Or, or take this for granted. Or yeah. take it for granted well, because we need every about single one. Vote aspect of mm -hmm. the Democratic uh, demo that might 
have your party in trouble. Um, according to a recent NPR PBS Marist poll, President Trump has a 41% approval rating among Hispanic voters. Another poll put it around 35%. That's mm -hmm. within about 10 points of Barack Obama's approval mm -hmm. uh, among Hispanic voters at the same time in his presidency. Roughly a third of Latino voters self-identify as conservative. Mm -hmm. And a fourth of them self-identify as Republicans. That mm -hmm. might surprise some people. Mm -hmm. Not if you talk to actual Hispanics, right. it wouldn't. Right. Uh, but are Democrats worried enough about Hispanic turnout? No, I don't think they are worried enough. Mm. And I think we need to invest more time, more money, more resources, more energy into talking to the Hispanics that we know need to turn out in order for us to do what we need to well, do. Well, and they're worried about the economy, not so much immigration. Well, they are worried about the economy, as everybody is. Yeah. And, and the way that we can talk to them about that is that this tax scam was actually a scam mm. that was not designed to help middle class, working class voters, which is the majority of them are. Mm. But on the issue of immigration, what they are worried about yeah. is how immigration and how this president has painted our whole community. He has painted our whole community as MS-13 gang members. Uh -huh. He has painted our whole community from the moment that he stepped out onto the election trail as, as rapists and criminals. That's what we need to understand that, you know, Hispanics are going to come out to vote for their community. Doug, on the other hand, uh, Beto O'Rourke in Texas yeah. is, I don't know if you'd say giving Ted Cruz a run for his money, um, but is he closer than he should be in Texas? Mm -hmm. I think he's giving Cruz a, a run for he the is? money because the money that the he's raising the money. Is, <laughs> yeah. is absolutely phenomenal. astounding. It is astounding. 38 million. And yet he's but, still. But you, could, you talk about the Hispanic voters in yeah. Texas. Yes. Ted Cruz does pretty well with Hispanic voters in Texas, as, at does. least according, you know, compared to what other Republicans do. And if Beto O'Rourke is this national cause for, for Democrats, they're going to be sorely disappointed. Um, mm. he, Beto is not going to beat Ted Cruz. And that money could be better used in Arizona, where Kristen Cinema is really taking it on the chin right now to Martha McSally, who's yeah. one of the best Republican candidates. This shouldn't even be a race, though. It should not even be a race. The fact that it's a race and that we're even talking about it and that he has to have his people, Jared, Jared Kushner, okay. go down and We're talking about it because the national press is, it's a let's big do another issue. Beto, let's do another Beto profile and talk but, about how amazing why? he is. But he, why? Because he skateboards because, on stage. Well, Doug, Maria, thanks He's for joining me. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Next, will Trump <laughs> use the media to win the midterms? For the party in power, midterms are usually, historically, not kind. For that reason, it's not always a given that the sitting president makes his presence felt in the weeks leading up to those elections. Well, President Trump is not most presidents. A new report in the Daily Beast reveals that he wants to flood the zone, according to a senior administration official. With midterms on the horizon, Trump told his top lieutenants he was frustrated and believed he wasn't getting his message out enough on mainstream channels. By the way, you're welcome here anytime. <laughs> in the last week alone, there's been multiple impromptu press conferences, informal Q&A sessions with hand-selected journalists, Air Force One gaggles, and of course, multiple phone-ins to his favorite Fox shows, some lasting almost an hour. There was also a widely scrutinized USA Today op-ed this week in which he blasted Democrats over Medicare. In about 20 minutes, Trump will be appearing in Richmond, Kentucky for another rally. And tomorrow night, the president will appear on the popular Sunday night news program 60 Minutes. So is this a good strategy this close to midterms? CNN senior media correspondent and host of Reliable Sources, Brian Stelter, has been following this closely all week. He joins me now. Brian, from a politics standpoint, I yeah. think this is a risky strategy. Hmm. It's why most presidents, when they're worried about midterms, kind of sort of lay back. <laughs> As we know, Trump is not most presidents. Is there 
such a thing as too much Trump? Well, I think when I see him giving all these interviews and taking all these questions, unfortunately, because he is so loose with the facts, it's like more pollution being added to the air. Okay, from like I, the consumer side. Yeah, I wish uh -huh. it weren't so, but it's, it's like more pollution because it means there's more spin and more misinformation mm -hmm. out there. But from a political perspective, mm -hmm. uh, I think this is working for the president. Mm. Uh, it, it reminds us there is no star nearly as bright as he is. Uh, there's no Democrat, there's no one on the left who's able to suck up the yeah. oxygen the way that he does. Not even close. Not even O'Rourke in Texas. You no. know, he is unique in his star power and is using that to great effect. Whether this is Bill Shine helping to this or Sarah Sanders. Ultimately, this is Trump uh, as his own best communications director. Well, and as you reported um, earlier this week, after turning down requests to do 60 Minutes for right. about two years, yeah. he's finally agreed to sit down. Reading Trump, as I do, uh, that strikes me as a sign of confidence. Absolutely yeah. a sign of confidence. He's being interviewed by Leslie Stahl, one of the foremost journalists on television. Yeah. We'll see the results this time tomorrow. Mm -hmm. We'll see if uh, he's been tripped up in any way. Right. Because that is the risk, as he is very talkative and very available. Yeah. It's that he, he, he steps, he can step in his own way, he can yes. step on his own toes between now and the midterm elections. Yeah. But so far, I think what we see with President Trump is that uh, it's, it's quantity over quality. Quality, mm. Meaning uh, he says so much that no single comment, no matter how controversial or embarrassing or yeah. newsworthy, uh, takes up too much attention, takes up too much time. Yeah, we learned that this week uh, at that news conference with Nikki Haley. I thought he said something really egregious, which was that she what had made that? she had made the U.N. a more glamorous place. Um, See, I don't even remember him saying that. Well, that's because Kanye happened. And I should have. That's because Kanye happened. Right. And so we didn't we didn't really get to sort of deal with that. Let's talk about Kanye. <laughs> what did you think about that meeting? as a media moment that it was sad mm. that it was sad to see this uh, person being exploited by President Trump uh, it, you know it made for interesting pictures I understand why the country is interested in seeing this I was certainly interested in watching it uh, but Kanye West is someone who does not represent any particular constituency. And President he, Trump thinks, says anyway, that he represents African Americans, which which I, which is not true. I think right. objectively not true. Right. Uh, and and so as a result, you know, we end up seeing this kind of reality show storyline unfold in the Oval Office that ends up ultimately hurting no, helping nobody, but hurting Kanye West. Well, certainly it didn't help anyone interested in the issues that were meant to be talked about at that meeting. Um, you know, I said I said on our air after that meeting. I yeah. also I thought it was sad. I thought the president was exploiting someone who, in my words, did not seem okay. I later heard from a friend whom I really respect, um, journalist Glenn Greenwald, who told me personally, I think you were well-intentioned, but I'm worried that talking about him like that stigmatizes mental health. And I, I'm going to be more um, aware of that. But do you think the media has been too dismissive? Of Kanye West. Of Kanye. That's been the criticism, yeah. Well, certainly there was some mockery of him. I don't think on this channel, but on the late night shows, on the comedy shows, all over Twitter, a lot of people making fun of him. Yeah. And in some cases, making fun of what could be a mental health issue. Now, mm -hmm. Kanye has talked about being diagnosed with bipolar yeah. disorder in the past. He has kind of owned that, so to speak. He hasn't hidden from it. Right. He's also, um, he's also pushed away some people's concerns about that. Yes. Personally, I, I'm not a doctor. I can't diagnose anybody, right. neither can you. 
but he does not seem to be someone who should be in front of the cameras right now. The cameras mm. are only making something worse. Mm. Uh, whether his, whether his, whether he knows that, whether mm. his family knows that, I don't know. Mm. You know, our colleague Chloe Millas reported this week that a camera crew was following him around, getting ready for the White House visit. Mm. You know, is this all going to end up on E? Is it going to be part of keeping up the Kardashians? Right. That does not seem like a good thing for him, mm. or frankly, even for President Trump. Mm. Uh, I agree, though. We, we have to be careful not to stigmatize anyone, take out Kanye West, stigmatize right. anyone who it may be having yeah. a mental health problem. But this in particular, yeah. it's not about Kanye, it's about President Trump and Trump inviting Kanye into the most powerful place on earth. Brian, thank you so much. Thanks. You can catch Brian Stelter on Reliable Sources tomorrow morning at 11 here on CNN. We'll be right back. It's every working parent's dream. They find a caregiver whom they not only trust with their kids, but who's a lifelong child advocate, a youth development specialist, a mentor to kids with incarcerated parents, and the owner of a child development program that does things like shuttle kids to their camps in the summers, tutors them, works with homeless kids and children with behavioral disorders. Well, a woman called the police on just that person in Cobb County, Georgia, earlier this week. She didn't know any of his background when she saw him with two kids he was babysitting, but she did know that he is black and the kids were white. I'm babysitting, right? Y'all see, look, I got, I got two kids in the backseat with me. I'm babysitting. There's this lady across the street. We just came from Subway and Walmart. This lady over here, she's following me. This lady is following me because I got two kids in the back seat that does not look like me. This lady across the street, she asked to see the little girl that I'm with so she can ask her if she knows who I am. All because I got two, two kids in the back seat that do not look like me. The police is here. Now I gotta deal with now I gotta deal with this. This is crazy. Hey, can y'all step out? Oh, they gotta step out? Yeah, I just wanna talk to them. Please explain to the officer who Mr. Lewis is. Please. I saw this and was heartbroken not only for Lewis but for these kids. But I was especially gobsmacked when I looked up Corey and found out he has devoted his life to working with children. Joining me now is Corey Lewis. He's the founder of Inspired by Lewis and is with me to talk about, well, just doing his damn job. Corey, thanks for being here. Uh, you were babysitting these two kids when, what happened? Uh, well, it was a, it was a typical uh, Sunday afternoon. Uh, we took the kids to catch air uh, and they decided that they wanted to have Subway for lunch. So we went to Subway. And uh, as we were leaving the Subway, I noticed that there was a female sitting in the car that was watching us, our mm. every move. And um, as we, when we got to the vehicle, she approached us and asked me if the kids were all right. Uh, in which I responded, why wouldn't they be? Right. Um, and so she left. She then came back a second time and asked to speak to one of the kids to confirm that the kids knew who I was. When I denied her request, she got upset and she said she was going to take my license plate down and call the police. She left again and we then went across the street to the gas station. I noticed that her car had moved closer to where we were positioned. Mm. Um, and as we were leaving the gas station, I noticed um, in the, my rearview mirror that she was trailing us um, all the way until I got to my neighborhood uh, mm. where the um, police had arrived. So is this a common experience for you when you're working with kids? I know you've been working with kids in this area for a long time. Or was this the first time you were like noticed for babysitting? 
this is the first time. I've been doing mm -hmm. this for the past three years, um, and I've never once been questioned um, my uh, reasons for being with kids. Um, can you work. tell me, yeah, can you tell me uh, about your child development program that you started, why you started it, and what it does? Uh, well, Inspired by Lewis is a youth mentoring program geared towards the development of social skills, etiquette, and character development. Um, I started the program after I worked a couple years with the local school district. Um, I saw that there was a need um, for these kids to have a, a safe place, a safe haven to go to after school and when school's out, and also uh, a place where parents didn't have to worry about um, yeah. their kids. Well, Corey, I just want to say, as working parents, there is no more important person in our lives than our caregivers, and any parent would be really lucky to have you as theirs. Thanks for coming Thank on you. and sharing the story. I appreciate it. Thank you. That's it for us tonight. Before we go, I want to wish a special happy 243rd birthday to the United States Navy. Up next, Van Jones has Maryland gubernatorial candidate Ben Jealous and his celebrity supporter, comedian Dave Chappelle. Don't miss the Van Jones Show. That's next right here on CNN. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on Sleep Number Special Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.